Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you, give you praise, adore you, magnify you. For your love, we thank you for your goodwill. Thank you for your mind, O oh Lord, concerning your own. And we thank you for revelation, wisdom, and understanding that you're granting unto us. And the cause of the study of your word, we ask once again tonight that the Holy Spirit will reveal more of himself. Through this, that Christ will continuously be formed in the people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we'll continue with our study on Lazarus and the rich man. Uh, this is part four. Last week we didn't... Uh, yes, so this is part four. Lazarus and the rich man. And I don't know how many of you... Uh, have taken time to go back to take a look at this... You know, listening to the messages again so that you can really have uh, the truth at your fingertips. And that's very important. Again, our test is Luke 16, which we know before, uh, reading from verse 19. Tonight, uh, Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fed subjunctly every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of cells. Verse 21, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his cells. Amen. We said before that this is a parable, and if you can remember, and then uh, we said it started with the parable of the lordship, and the lost kind, and the prodigal son. The unjust world, and then Lazarus and the rich man. So, right from chapter 5 to chapter, I mean, 15 to 16, we have five parables. Is that okay? All right. So, and uh, I'm sure last week, I mean, the other time, the last time we had this uh, section, we dealt with the issue of the crumbs. You remember that? Well, we're talking about uh, Matthew 15, reading from 21, you have that. Um, when the woman from the coast of Tyre and Sidon was troubling Jesus to come and heal the child and Jesus said yeah the bread is normally for dogs and then she said oh yes but I know that even the dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the rich man's table amen and uh, I tried to also explain to you that means in that instance that mighty which you just read you begin to realize that Yes, the Jews refer to the Gentiles as dogs. Is that okay? Yes, and I also try to make you understand from Psalm 22. Uh, the whole of that Psalm 22 was about the death of Jesus Christ. And right there also, it talks about the dogs that licked his sores. Verse number 12. Amen. Praise the Lord. Alright, so we're going to continue this evening to look at a few things more. On this, Amen. We're gonna look at a few things more on this particular thing, and then uh, 
Yes, when we talk about uh, the Lazarus and then as it were, I try to make us understand also that um, you see, Jesus, I mean, from the very beginning, reading, uh, if I may just even start from that, but the dogs were actually the nations that were all around Israel, which is the house of Judah. Amen? The heathen nations, the ones lying around Judah's gates, they were the ones naturally that were referred to as what dogs. Amen? I've explained this before. One thing again you need to understand is that God blessed the Jews as it were Abraham and uh, God's intention was that through Abraham the rest of the nations will be blessed. You remember that? Let's look at the scripture. Genesis 22 verse number 18. Genesis 22 verse number 18. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. All nations shall be blessed from the very dawn of human history, right? From the very beginning. The mighty God so designed that men that inhabit the earth will bless true Abraham. Amen. He planned a purpose this that they all might be blessed and all will receive. Now, I want you to get that. So now. Lazarus now represented the other nations by implication. If Israel is to be the source of that blessing, like I was trying to say the other time, if God is going to bless the nations through Abraham, and Israel was more or less the centerpiece at which this blessing will come from. So you understand now that the nations that were surrounding Israel were the dogs that were supposed to partake of the blessing. From Israel. You together? Good. Now, in that sense, you begin to see that Lazarus speaks of the neighboring kingdoms like Asia, Africa, Europe, that were now at the gates of Judah. And this class of people, they were without hope. In fact, we need to read the scripture on that. But once you understand this, Bible tells us that all the other nations who were not the covenant of Israel, they were without a covenant, they were without hope, they were without Christ, and they were without God in the world. And remember, Romans 9, we try to explain the blessings or the riches of the rich man. You remember that? They are the covenant, they have the fathers, they have all of those things. All right. So Lazarus, for instance, the Greek word for Lazarus actually uh, is a Hebrew name, Eliezer. Meaning, him, I mean, he whom God helps. Eliezer, Lazarus, is a Hebrew word. It means, he whom God helps. Or, whom God aids. And the Greek word for Lazarus is onoma. 
And not only means a name, but also carries the thought of one possessing a certain character. Now, if you put everything together, what you find here is there was a certain beggar who, beggar one, who possessed the character of needing God's help. And I want you to understand because very important. There was a certain one beggar who possessing, or certain one begging, who possessed the character of needing God's help. What that's supposed to mean to you? That is, if you put on the compound name, as it were, Eliezer, and then, yeah, what you are trying to say is the heathen nations, they were needing the help of God because they were without God. I don't forget in this. Right. So when we say like Asia, Europe, and uh, Africa, as we are in terms of those continents, you can remember where Israel was positioned. They were at the gate needing help from God. Now this help was supposed to flow from Judah to them. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. Okay, let, let me show you again. Romans, uh, I mean, Ephesians 2, let's look at verse uh, 11 and 12 alone. Romans 2, I mean, sorry, Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 12. Ephesians 2, 11 and 12, okay. And it says, Wherefore, remember, that ye being in time past Gentiles, I hear this now, in the flesh, who are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time, listen to this, you were without Christ, being alien from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in this world. So the Gentiles had no hope, they had no God, they had no Christ, they had no, they can't partake of the covenant. What is that supposed to mean? It means they were in a position where they actually need help. Do you understand what I mean now? Right. So we all, before Christ came, we were in such a position that we were looking for a means, and, and how is that supposed to mean? We were looking for for help. We had no hope. We had no God. Even what even we were doing for without God because God was revealing himself through a covenant and that through a people. So all of us who were in were not in that covenant and then we were in such a position that we were looking for help from God. Therefore we were begging for help. That God will help us as it were. Praise the living God. So we know that the Jews refers, for instance, to Gentiles as dogs and barbarians. You remember that? Okay. Okay. There's something I want us to push down to today. So, the rich man, like I said, this is the Gentiles, which has to do with the nations, like I said. And then the rich man has to do with the house of Judah, which are actually the children of the kingdom. You understand that? Good. They were the children of the kingdom. 
that possesses everything. That's why they were, like we said, they were dressed on a purple and fire linen, which is a symbol of uh, royalty. Amen? Okay. Feasting, you know, from the delicacies of the goodness of God. And uh, we Gentiles were just there. No hope, no Christ, not being part of the covenant. This we were just enjoying everything that God has made available to them. So Lazarus was a dog, a, a Gentile. And we find out again that dogs also, they are in, in a way, a class of their own. So the dog licks the sores. You can also understand that how the Gentiles were fighting themselves has always been the case. Amen. Now go with me to Deuteronomy 32, the book of Deuteronomy 32, verse number 8. You're going to find this in Tristan. I wish I have time today. Let me see how I go. I'm going to talk about the death of the rich man and the death of the Lazarus. Now, Deuteronomy 32, verse number 8. When the Most High divided the nations, their inheritance, when he separated his sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. I want you to know that. When God was set the boundaries of the nations, put in a whatever position they were supposed to be, he used Israel to set a boundary of those nations. Now, Paul quoted this in Acts chapter 17, 26 and 27. Why is that supposed to be? Acts 26, I mean 17, 27. And I made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the earth, and I determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation. Are you getting that? You get boundaries, you get structure, the bounds of their habitation. What's the next thing? That they should seek the Lord. I want you to know this. If happily they might feel after him, I find him, though he be not far from what? every one of us. Now get the point now. God put Israel in a position. Here is Africa, here is Asia, here is Egypt in that position. That the African, the Egyptian, the Asian might seek God from that center. Are you getting the picture? Good. So that's, that's, the, that's the mystery about Israel being in the position that they are. They were supposed to be a place where the life of God is distributed to the rest of the nations. So when God was set on the boundaries, he put Israel here, he put one nation here, maybe a continent here, put another one here, put another one there, so that through this Israel, which is the rich man, the riches of this Abraham will spread unto those people. So when he said Lazarus was at the gate, that used to say they were within the sphere at which they can be able to get things from where? From Israel, which is the rich man. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. All right. So when God said the bands of the nation, but the key point there is verse 27, that they should seek the Lord. Remember, in Ephesians 2, the Gentiles were without God. You remember that? That without God, no hope, without Christ, not a covenant of promise. Okay, so now, God put them there, gave the covenant of promise and the fathers, everything to Israel. And he said, from this position, read the next of the nations, seek God and find God. 
Hallelujah. There probably can be a future purpose of fulfillment of this particular prophecy, yes. But primarily, this is what is supposed to be. That means, through Israel, we were ordinarily supposed to have received some of the mind of God, some of the delicacies of God, some of the beauties and the glories of God. Given to us, where they are by their gates. But instead of doing that, like we mentioned in the previous study, they were just looking down on us, looking down on, on, the, on the nations that doesn't belong to Israel and referring them as barbarians, as dogs. You know, praise the Lord. So Israel, if you watch very well, you find that it's at the junction of two continents, of Asia and Africa. Israel is at the junction of two continents, Asia and Africa, and almost in sight of Europe. Almost in sight of Europe. That is why you see people can travel through that area where they are going to Europe and all of that. Amen. So, this is the center God actually ordained from which the gospel should do what should come from. Praise the Lord. So, you shouldn't be surprised that Jesus was born as a Jew. Because, if we take time to go on, he came to fulfill the covenant and the promises that God made to the fathers. And what was that supposed to mean? We read that before in Genesis 22 verse number 8. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In your seed. In Abraham's seed. Is that okay? All right. Shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So that is as out of Israel now we find our Christ came. And out of Christ is coming forth the church, which is a bride. And out of that bride, like we find in Revelation 12, is going to come forth the man child. That will be a blessing to the rest of the world. When the Bible talks about creation and waiting for the sons of God, manifestation of the sons of God, we're talking about the man child. Like as you can find in Revelation 12. They are the ones that are going to bring forth deliverance to creation. But where are they coming from? Jesus have to come to fulfill the promises God made to Abraham. And from Jesus, we got the church. And from the church, we got a man child that's going to be the source of deliverance, light, and life to the rest of creation. So, when you begin to look at this, you find that basically the reason why God positioned Israel where it is and put the rest of the nation around Israel is because the life of God, the mind of God, the covenant of God are going to flow from where? From Israel. And distribute the rest of the continents as it were. And so, if you watch how the gospel moves, you're going to see it exactly the way it is. After the death of Jesus, after the baptism of the, I mean, the Pentecost and all that, and begin to see the gospel coming out of that. From there it goes to Asia, from there it goes to Europe, from there it goes to Africa. You see what I mean? Praise the Lord. Alright. So, who was Lazarus? Like we're saying. We are talking about neighboring kingdoms like Asia, Africa, Europe. 
These were the continents or the nations that were right at the very gate of Israel, which is the house of Judah, seeking for help, which is the life of God. Just like the Phoenician woman, the Sidon, I mean the tyrant, could go to Jesus and say, I need bread. And they say, no, the bread is not meant for the Gentiles or for the dogs. So that was seeking for bread. You understand that? Praise God. And so here we find that, like we read in Acts chapter 17, 26, 27, all of the nations like Asia, Europe, in Africa, we were all seeking for help. We're looking for help because the Bible has said, if by so they may seek after God and find God. So we're all seeking for help. But the Jews will not do that. But so what God happened? For God to fulfill his promises, Christ came. Hallelujah. And so, because Christ came, those prophecies, because he came to confirm the promises of the fathers, and, and as a result, we begin to receive those blessings. That's why Ephesians 2 says, we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but of the same household of what? Of Israel. We've joined the commonwealth of Israel now. That means the things that we were seeking for before as beggars, we no longer beggars, we're not sons. And there's something very serious I'm going to show you now. Because you see, help me, when, when, when Jesus came, if you look at the Bible, no, let me not jump the gun. I'll get that across to you. Okay, let's go down to, again, Luke 16, 22, 23. Luke 16, 22, 23. And it said, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Very interesting. Is that okay? How many of you remember who the rich man is? The house of Judah? How many of you remember what makes him rich? They enjoy the covenant, they enjoy the promises. Lazarus never had any. But both of them died. But something happened. When both of them died, the beggar was carried, but the rich man was buried. So what is the mystery there? Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. <laughs> I need it together because very important. So Lazarus was carried off to the bosom of the fighter and... The rich man was what buried. Now, you must understand the difference between when something is buried and something is carried. Huh? If something is buried, buried out of sight. If you bury somebody in a grave, what? I mean, it's buried out of sight. You bury your coin, it's out of sight. Anything that is buried is no longer seen. It loses its power, it loses its identity. The one you carried, you see, have its identity. But in a different state. Okay. We see that. So when we say the rich man died. What is that supposed to mean? The Jewish nation died. Why? Because the law also died. The strength of the law. Or of the house of Judah. Was the law. The priesthood. The covenant. The temple worship. That was their main identity. So when he said the rich man died, we are just simply saying the law was done away with. What sustained that nature, that economy was taken away. 
Praise the living God. By implication, no more power, no more dominion. By reason of the law. The rich man was dead and buried. And cast down to hell. Well, let me show you something. Matthew 21 verse 43. I don't know if you are picking up with what I'm saying here. When something is buried, it's hidden out of sight. You can see it. Amen? So if the rich man was buried, that means he was out of sight. He loses his power, he loses his dominion. And uh, the place of those delicacies and enjoyment of feasting that he was having, all is taken away. Because when you die, you can't feast on anything anymore. By implication, what they were always rejoicing in and boast of was taken away. By implication, their pride was crushed. Remember how I used to pray? I'm not like this uh, publican and you know, I fast seven days. Remember that? I pay my tithe. You know how they pray, right? So, the covenant was their pride. Now, when they say he died, that means everything about those things that we're proud of or they enjoy it or they can be boastful about, they were all taken away. They died. So now, Mighty 21 43. Let's look at it. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken away from you and given to a nation, bringing forth what? The fruit thereof. The kingdom shall be taken away from you. Who was he talking that, sir? To the Jews. Hallelujah. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 7, verse number 1. Romans 7, verse number 1. Know ye not, I mean, know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law. How that the law have dominion over a man as long as he liveth. Amen. The next verse. For the woman which had an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he leave it. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. The law died. Who was a husband to Israel? Amen. The rich man died because Everything that the Jewish people depended on was taken away. Amen? Okay. Look at Matthew 8 verse 11. Up to 12. Matthew 8 11 verse 12. I mean. Okay. And I say unto you. That many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into what? Out of darkness. They shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. Come on, did you get that? Good. He's saying a time is coming when those seemingly were not in the kingdom shall come and sit down 
with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the children of the kingdom, which is the Jewish people, shall be cast out into what? After darkness. So, the rich man died and was buried. It's so simple. Are you getting that? Now, this is where you're going to see when you're talking about those coming from the east, from the west, to sit down with Abraham, that's mean and Lazarus is coming to be in the bosom of who? Of Abraham. To partake of the blessings of Abraham that was denied them by the rich man. But now the rich man is sort of, how many of you remember, the Jews will always say Abraham is our father. How many of you understand that? Okay, I'll explain that when we get there. So this language, you must understand, is very symbolic. And it's important you understand it. Like I said before, the rich man is Judah. The beggar is the nations. So what is going on here? When you say a thing is dead, it simply means he changes his condition. What is happening to this pupil? I mean, both the rich man and the beggar Lazarus is just a change of condition. And I will show that to you in a manner. But let's progress a little bit. For instance, in the book of Jeremiah 8 verse 13. Jeremiah 8 verse 13. I will surely consume them, saith the Lord. There shall be no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. And the leaves shall fade, and the things that I have given them shall pass away from them. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking about? The house of Judah. Okay, I'll show that to you. Matthew 21, verse 19. So God is saying, all of the glory, all of the beauty that I've given to the house of Judah, which is a fig tree, shall be taken away. You know the story of how Jesus caused a fig tree, isn't it? Right. Matthew 21, 19. And when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, let no man grow, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth, henceforward forever. And presently, the fig tree did what? Withered. You know this story, right? Okay, go to Mighty 24, verse 32. Mighty 24, verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When its branches is yet tender, thank you Lord, and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you see all these things, know that it is clear, even at the doors. Well, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all this in the world be fulfilled. Now, so what do you find here? What was the fig tree? The fig tree was the house of Judah. When he said that the fig tree was caused, no man should eat of the fruit thereof. What he's saying is, the old covenant is being done away with, and no man should partake of the old covenant. The joy and the fruitfulness of Israel was the old covenant. And Jesus called the fig tree, which means he caused the house of Israel, is putting an end to the old covenant. And so when you get down to Matthew 24, and he said, when you see these signs, what was the sign? He's talking about using Israel again. But then he was talking about 
when you begin to see all of those things. Read Almighty 24 from verse number 1. Begin to see what he's talking about. Famine, all of those things, war, rumors of wars, you know. Right. All those things took place before the fall of Jerusalem by the Roman army. So he was saying, when you see the signs, it's just like the fig tree. Remember, then he has caused a fig tree. So he gave them a parable of the fig tree. The parable was given to them was the house of Judah. That's what you read in Jeremiah chapter 8. So what he meant by the fig tree, though we easy to teach about the issue of faith. Oh yeah. But Jesus was speaking something beyond the issue of just religious faith. What he was talking about, the house of Judah, you with all your delicacies and the covenant you are enjoying, the laws, they are going to put an end to it. That no man will partake of it. By implication, you can no longer propagate Judaism. Are you following it? Praise the Lord. Now, this is going to happen. Oh, glory. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse number 6. Romans 7, verse number 6. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead glory wherein we were held that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the later. Being dead. The Lord died. The house of Judah died. The rich man died and was buried. And so the victory was caused from the root and there will be no room for Judaism to be propagated by implication the Levitical priesthood has come to an end are you following the picture hallelujah now you look at this one it's very important but now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held I wish you serve a newness of spirit and not the oldest of the later. We died to the law. The law also died. Victory was caused. House of Judah was spoken to never to be able to produce another set of Levitical priesthood with laws and rituals anymore. The rich man was buried. Are you getting the meaning now? Yes. They were sunk into the grave, sealed up. The gaskets and buried. Now, somebody said, so, so what happened to them finally? It's very easy. They were also resurrect, if you will, in quote now, not on the resurrection day. What I'm trying to say is, uh, maybe I'll just take you there, I don't know. Read with me Jeremiah 23, verse number 6. Jeremiah 23, verse number 6. This is what is going to happen to them. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord, what? Our righteousness, which Jehovah Shekinah. And that's talking about Jesus. You understand that? Israel shall be saved. That means they also come, come to the saving grace of the Lord. Now you can find that in Romans 11 verse 26. Romans eleven twenty six, and so all Israel shall be saved 
as it is written, you shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from who? From Jacob. Did you get that? The diadem were buried, but they are going to come to the place of also accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Because the promise he made to Abraham is confirmed to Christ. So if you take yourself away from Christ, then you are outside exactly the way the Gentiles was when Israel was in place or place of dominion and power. That is the way they are now. It may surprise you that a lot of Jewish people don't believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Because God is giving them the spirit of slumber. The things that God promised Abraham who is supposed to be their father are the things you and I enjoy as a Gentile. That means the table turned. That's why Lazarus is now the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man is dead. I don't know if you are getting the picture. Is it making sense to you? <laughs> Praise the Lord. You and I who were supposed to be dogs by the way we are now at the bosom of Abraham enjoying the glory, the feasting. Remember what he said. He said some shall come from the east, from the west, and from the south. And they shall have feasting with you, Abraham, in the kingdom of the Father. We are now in the bosom of the Father. They are outside. And he said it should be cast into what? Outer darkness. So the table turned. Did you get that? Good. That is why it is said Lazarus was carried, but the rich man was buried. Can you get the difference now? Everything the rich man was proud of was sealed up and buried. Lazarus, who had nothing, was brought into the bosom of the father. To be in the bosom means somebody who is nearest to your to your heart, the closest person. That is why I say. You use the language, my bosom friend. You know, there's English that says, you're my bosom friend. That means very close friend. And remember, the Bible says, I mean, the Englishman will say, only your friend knows your secret. So when somebody's your bosom friend, that means he's intimate with you. He's closest to you. He knows everything about you and you can partake of everything that that individual is having. So now Abraham is in the bosom of the father. And I mean Lazarus, the bosom of Abraham, which is also the father, in quote. But the Jews who were supposed to be the sons of the father, they were cast into world after darkness. That is the hell they find themselves in. By implication, they can no longer partake of the glory of the promises that God made through Abraham. Hallelujah. Amen. So, now let me show you something. First Corinthians uh, 15, let's look at 45 and 47. And this is also very interesting. I want to show you something. We may not be able to read all through, but let's look at 45 and 47. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Remember, the first man, last man. First man, last man. It's important. 47. The first man is of the earth. Earthly. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So, if you go back, you find that there is a first man. There is a second man. 
And the second man is the last man. Did it make sense for you? Read it again. Go back to verse 45. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. 47 now. The first man is of the earth. earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. So, there's a first man, there's a second man. The second man is the last man. That is to say, between Jesus, I mean Adam and Jesus, there is nobody. One is first, one is second. One is first, one is last. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying. That means there are only two men in the world. There is no third man, there is no fourth man. There is a first man and a second man. It's like you are thinking of first and second. There is no man between first and second. Are you, is, I'm making sense to you? Good. And the last man, the second man, is the last man. That means after him, no other person. So there's no third person. Meaning, God is not raising any other person by which creation can be found in. Creation was first found in the first man, which is what? Adam. In Adam, all. You understand that? Now he brought the second man, and now in Christ shall all. Is that making sense for you? So there is no third man. Everything end at the second man. The second man is the last man. <laughs> I don't know if you are getting that. You know, when you read this thing, it doesn't make sense to you until you settle down and begin to think about it. So there is a first man, there is a second man. The second man is the last man. So after you have your first and second, there is no third. Because you say, if you are doing a, I mean, a maybe 100 meter race, you can say first, second, third. You understand that? <laughs> the first man, I mean, the first person, the second person, or second position, or third position. So now, maybe if there were five before, the fifth person would be the last person. I don't think I'm getting that. Right. But in this question we're looking at, we have the first man and the second man. And the second man is the last man. So after the last man, there's no other person. That means there is no other creation like as it were, as it were like Adam and Jesus that will rise anymore. So every man is found within these two people. So as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be been alive. So what am I trying to say? Lazarus and the rich man, they all died in Christ. And came out on the other side. That is by reason of the cross. Are you getting that? By reason of the cross, everybody was put in Christ. I mean, if you understand what I'm saying. Good. And when Christ rose on the other side, he came up a new person, a different person, and a new set of people came in. So when he came in on the other side, instead of the Jews believing into the power of the Holy Spirit, the new thing, they rejected the same Jesus. Now, this last man has raised a company of people who are now in his image and likeness, which are called Christians. No more what you call Jews and Gentiles. It's making the two of one new man. Praise the living God. And so because we come up with resurrection on the other side, 
we cannot partake of the very promises that was made to Abraham. But the Jews who will not accept that, they are still buried, if you will, because they can't come up to believe that this is Jesus of Nazareth, the very promised Messiah, so that they can partake of the very beauty and the glory of the promises of Abraham. So what is it supposed to mean? This resurrection is moving from one realm into another realm. It's a condition that manifested. So the condition that the Jews now experience is that of condemnation, if you will. I mean, not condemnation, but into a hellish condition. Whereas Lazarus that was in a begging condition enter into a glorious condition. All through the death and the sacrifice of Jesus. Did you get that? And so, in, in, in fact, in, in John chapter 5, it talks about the resurrection, those who resurrect unto condemnation and resurrection unto life. How many of you remember that? John chapter 5. People who resurrect unto condemnation and resurrection unto life. So, the Gentiles rose unto life. The Jews rose unto what? Condemnation. And they are buried for life. What I mean is their condition their covenant is all buried. That is why the fig tree was caused. So the rich man was buried. But Lazarus was carried where? Into the bosom of Abraham. Praise the living God. So the first man was the living soul. The last man was made a queen in spirit. The first man is of the earth. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And it's important we read this scene with some understanding and wisdom as touching what God is sharing with us. So, here is a great change that came about after the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The old dispensation passed away, both for the rich man and the beggar. And they both walked up on the other side of Calvary under new conditions. Is that okay? Right. So, the, you know, over here before the cross, the Jews were priding themselves that they have the covenant. Lazarus had nothing to show for it. He was a beggar. And so by the time they get to the cross, Calvary, and come up on the other side, the condition changed. The one that was begging entered a place of rest, the bosom of Abraham. Which is a place of blissfulness, a place of rejoicing, a place of joy. It's like paradise. But the one that was enjoying on this other side entered a rough condition, which is called hell or Hades, on sin wall. Hallelujah. You see, we don't have understanding. I, I, I mean, we'll come to that. What the time? Okay. We, we don't truly understand. When we come to that, I'll make you say that clearly. The word hell is an Anglo Saxon English. Anglo Saxon English. And it actually means, for instance, when they farm and they want to preserve the potatoes. They said they want to go and hell in the potatoes. So they would dig a ground, dig the ground, prepare the place, put the potatoes and cover it up. That's hell in potatoes. What it means is they are keeping them in a place where they cannot be seen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know if I get what I'm saying. Yeah, but we, we, we don't understand the language of the Bible. So all we ever think about is once you are in hell then you are in hell fire but that's not exactly what the bible uses the word because here 
The word used here is Hades. Hades means unseen war. As a matter of fact, early times, boyfriend and girlfriend, when they went to meet, they said, let's go helling. Meaning they want to go to a place where they cannot be seen. Are you getting that? <laughs> they want to go hell. They want to go to hell. They go helling. Just like you do helling of potatoes. So, when they say they are going helling, that means... They are going to a spot where they cannot be seen by a third party to enjoy themselves. That's what it means to go to hell <laughs> in their own understanding. And this may be difficult for you, but that is exactly what it is. So, the, the, what am I trying to say now? The rich man was in hell, meaning he was in a state of no recognition. A situation where he cannot be seen. All of the glory that he had before has diminished. It's no longer important as he used to be. It's gone into hell. As far as this passage is concerned. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. So, the rich man lifted up his eyes in hell. The Greek word translated earlier, like I said, is Hades. Concerning the literal meaning of the word Hades, there can be no doubt it comes from a Greek word, AIDS, and this is a prefix which is equivalent to our UN or STEN and actually means unperceived, unperceived or imperceptibility, something you cannot see. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the unseen wall, unseen realm, like I said, in our English, Anglo sense of English simply means. Let's conceal the potatoes, meaning let's go helling the potatoes. Let's conceal them. Let's keep them in a place where they cannot be seen. And so that gives you a perfect picture of what the Jews is supposed to be today. They are in such a situation where they can no longer be seen. By implication, their law, covenant, is no longer in the place of prominence. Power, dominion, and control. They are buried. The victory is cost. Are you following me? Praise the living God. So that's exactly what we're saying here. And if you if you take time to read history, <clears throat> you understand what happened to the Jews. I know how Hitler referred to them. They were like these costs of the earth. Anywhere there was a Jew. Oh, they were looking for them to kill them. They were in a hellish condition. The people that were supposed to be of pride and glory and dominion were being hunted like animals to be killed. And that's why Jesus said there's going to be outer darkness. There's darkness, there's outer darkness. How many of you remember Colossians 1? The Bible said, we will deliver us and transfer from the power of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. There is darkness. But where they went to is what? Outer darkness. Beyond darkness. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Jesus used the same thing for the feast. And mind you, I think chapter 25 said the same thing, even 21 as well. When the feast was gathered and the man came in there without a uniform. How many of you remember that? Right. Friend, how did you get in here? 
He said, the Bible said he was speechless. So he can't see me to outer darkness. And what's that supposed to mean? The hall is furnished with light and beauty and glory feasting was going on by the bridegroom who had made the feast. And then he cast him out of darkness. And the whole of outside is going to be complete darkness because there's no light there. And this is the same thing as the Jews. You know, an implication. If you don't put on the glory of Christ, then you find yourself in outer darkness. So that's exactly what happened. Praise the living God. So the condition of the Jews was something else. Driven all over the place, haunted, you know, excluded, rejected, outcast. I mean, think about it. They were despised all over the world, hated in the diaspora, the nations, miserable ghettos of Europe. You know, I mean, the condition they find themselves was really hellish. By reason of their rejection of the Lord Jesus. And not just that. Remember when Jesus cried in the book of Matthew chapter 23. Say, have decided to cover you as a hen will cover her cheeks, but you refuse. You remember that? Yeah, the protection that I have for you, you rejected it. And so they were haunted all over the world. They were actually living in hellish condition. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling them. So he was telling them ahead of time. This is what you're doing to me. But this is what is going to happen to you. Praise the living God. Are you there? Right. You rejected me. You despised me. Okay. Don't you worry. This is what is going to happen to you. Let me give you the picture. What's going to happen to you. The rich man died and was buried. And he held. You're confident you're going to lose it. What you're rejoicing on is going to be taken away from you. It's going to be because you are going to be hidden. Your popularity is going to be taken out of the place. You're going to reject. You're going to grind your teeth in outer darkness. Because the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. And they shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the Jews experienced all of these things. They were in a hellish condition. Situation where they no longer recognize all of their glory and their popularity was taken away. All the pride that they had about the covenant, the old covenant, was taken away. Today, you see what is going on even in the churches within the body. All like this grace man is coming up, everything about law, hit you, law, nothing like law. You can't talk about law. What you're indirectly saying, don't want to see anything about a Jewish man. So there's a kind of hatred. <laughs> Because you see, without the law, there is no Jewish man. You understand what I mean? Right. The law is what gives the Jews dominion and power and authority. So he said, no more law. What are you trying to say? No more Jews. So even now, indirectly unknown to us, even though the Bible preach, we are still saying exactly what Jesus said to them. And we are still doing to them what exactly people like Hitler did to them, even in Europe. No more law. We're under grace. We're under grace. Yes, we're under grace. We don't have to have anything to do with law. And it's a fact anyway because they all died in Christ and resurrected a different person on the other side. So what am I trying to make you understand? Lazarus is now the bosom of the father. But the rich man is in torment. Is that okay? And the rich man died. Meaning the dominion and the power of the law have been eroded. But the Lazarus that was rejected and was suffering was carried into the bosom of who? Of Abraham. So next week, I'll show you what the bosom of Abraham is all about. 
Thank you so much for paying attention. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.